Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. Well, here we are. It's... Uh... <laughs> I literally can't say the title without you laughing. I don't know what's my problem. I just always giggle. I'm going to stop. It's because you're a happy soul. Yes, I do feel happy. Right. Anyway, painting of the week. Yes. Here we are. That was a quick week. Anyway, um, we have today... Oh, sorry, I'm Phil. And I'm Laura. And today Uh, we are going to talk about Henri Matisse's The Snail. And um, if you like a bit of colour... Mm. You're going to like this painting. <sighs> we did actually say last week, the reason we were trying to repick this painting was we were trying to find something that we might not like. Oh, yes. That was the start of it. And <laughs> Well, we did. So we... That was how we were trying to play it because every single painting we, we love. So... My thought process when we said that last week was I remembered... When Tate Modern was built over 20 years ago now, we were commissioned to make a series of films about it. And I remember going to the Tate Modern and wandering around when they were putting up the artworks and thinking to myself, some of these are not, you know. Not not your cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. Actually, sometimes I thought even worse things about them. Okay. I've got to say, one of the funniest things I ever saw. So it's a building site. It's an old um, power station on Bankside. And um, to, I mean, Tate Modern is fantastic. I, I mean, I do love it. But mm. it was a building site at the time. And there were a couple of occasions where, for example, there would be a ladder chained to a post. Right. And there'd be a sign on it which said... <laughs> This is not an artwork. It's my bloody ladder. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the Royal Academy once, a summer exhibition, and there was a bin with a sign on it that said, this is artwork. Could everyone please stop putting their rubbish in this bin? (laughs) Well, there have been occasions when cleaners have cleaned stuff up, (laughs) which is artwork worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. (laughs) There 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 was two or three signs like that. On the floor, there was one moment where I saw these coloured polystyrene bricks. Right, and I said yeah. to my friend, oh, I quite like that artwork. Mm. He said, that's not an artwork. They're just coloured polystyrene bricks that they put the paintings on before they <laughs> hang them on the wall. But it does it does show something, which is, you know, what is art mm. and what counts as art and who decides? Okay, they're all quite big questions. I asked one of, I mean, we we've made over 100 films with, fantastic art historian and a friend of mine called Tim Marlowe, who is now the director of the Design Museum. Anyway, during one of these films, uh, actually it was about, I'll name check the artist, it was about, it was Tracy Emin, it was at the Haywood, and I said to Tim, you know, some of this stuff, I actually don't think is that good. What, what, you know, who decides, what makes it art? Yeah. He said, well, if it's, if it's in an art gallery, it's art. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, no. Oh. That that deserves to be challenged, I right. think. Won't do it right now, but No. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> in some in some ways I'm a bit conservative in the sense that <clears throat> I you know, I, I almost like to see the craft. So 
So I might not like a Rubens, but I, you know, I can still see it's an artwork and it's extraordinarily well crafted. Yeah. Whereas a, you know, a glass of water on a shelf on a wall mm. is a bit more, now, you know, a bit more, um, I, I need that to be explained to me and I'm, yes. I'm a bit more questioning of it. Mm. And I have to say, one of the things about what you and I do, Laura, is we are not of the art world in the sense that we are going to tip our hat at anything and say that is remarkable. No. You know, Emperor's new clothes. Yeah. You don't like something? We'll say so. Yes. Now, I must say, when I went round Tate Modern with Tim, mm. that was really interesting because there were certain artworks which are conceptual artworks and they need explanations. So when he explained to me why there was a ping pong table and the ping pong bats had holes in them. And which I, oh, okay. the first time I saw it, I thought it's just stupid. And then mm. he explained to me the thinking. Sometimes that would work. And I go, okay, I get it. And other times I'd still think that no, it's just stupid. Other times, of course, it just connects with you and you think actually that is really fantastic. And other people will think, no, I don't get it. So when we were thinking, well, let's find an artwork that we don't like. Yes. My first thought was, okay, let's go onto the Tate Modern website and find something. Anyway, it just so happened that up came Matisse's The Snail. Now, this is actually, I think, a very good example and a good one for us. Because I can imagine that some people, if they've gone to our our website, the 7th-art.com website, to look at the painting or whatever, and they'll look at it and go, well, that's not a snail. No. That's just blocks of colour. I, yeah. I don't like that. Mm. So let's have a think about it. Um, I suspect that you and I probably do like this painting <laughs> and maybe we need to find one in future that actually we just think is oh. not so good. But I today... Just, yeah. So well, let me ask you the I question. I totally love it. Okay. So, <laughs> it's so obvious, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> All right. So let's ask the question then. You've gone into a gallery. You've never seen it before. No. Henri Matisse, mm. and you come up and it's got a little sign next to it, a little caption on the wall that says, The Snail. So, yeah. Why do you love it? Well, obviously for me it's colour. Absolutely love it. And if it didn't have the sign saying The Snail, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought it was a snail, for sure. But, oh, I just love it so much. I really do. And actually, I nearly went up to London to go and stand in front of it before no. today. But I didn't get time in the end to do that because I thought I can I can definitely do that this time. I don't know. I just love it. I could I can make a quilt from those colours. Hmm. I just yeah, totally. So for you it's the mm. visceral, immediate pleasure mm. of the colour. Yeah. A hundred percent. And and then as soon as you hear the word the snail, then you do sort of see a snail. Do you? Well T- tell me how you how do you see a snail then? <laughs> No, let me, let I me, thought the well. Me, I know I'm wrong because I have looked into this, but I, I thought it was that the the black square at the top was the top of the snail coming round all the way, purple, then to the orange, red, and I sort of thought the head was the the orange was at the other end, at the right was the head. <clears throat> but I think I'm actually wrong about that. And if Matisse was here now, I'm sure he'd say that I was. You think you're wrong because you've looked it up? Somewhere? I think so. I think that I saw something on on um, on Google or on the internet that was slightly higher. That the the, the <clears> actual <throat> snail itself was actually higher. Hmm. So, 
But I need to go and stand in front of it now, don't I? Interestingly enough, Matisse, for us, was one of our most popular films. Um, we made a film about the cutouts. Yeah. The, the exhibition was called The Late Cutouts, and it was at Tate Modern and at MoMA. <clears throat> the cutouts, okay, you think of an artist, you probably think, you know, a brush and oils mm. or a sculptor working in marble or, you know, whatever. This clearly is neither of those two things. It is coloured bits of paper, gouache. Well, the, 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 the paper is, is gouached. It's kind of coloured. You had assistants that would, that would create the colours. Um, and then he cuts them out with a big pair of scissors. And so he would then, he was quite poorly at the time, we'll talk about that, but he would get his assistants to pin them on yeah. to uh, a board or... or um, uh, and sometimes... It, the pins would remain and other times they'd then be glued down. So th these have actually been glued into place. Um, we saw as part of that film an amazing, well, really interesting um, work at MoMA, which didn't travel to London because it's so fragile, called The Swimming Pool, um, where I think that it's still, you still have the pins. The thing about the pins is that then it, they, the paper sits off the backing board, and there's a it's a bit more three dimensional, right? Um, but not this one. But not this one. So this one, oh, okay. this one, they're actually glued. So once once he thinks, okay, that's the position that I want. Yeah. One of the reasons I think that our film did so well was because Matisse is on the curriculum, and this is something that kids can do really easily. Yeah. So I think you know, I think we we got a broader demographic audience for that film because. Young kids, you know, parents and children will cut out coloured bits of paper to try to create pictures. I felt actually inspired this week. I actually thought to myself, I could go and get myself a sketchbook and have a go. Yeah, great. I, mean, well, I have that's done fantastic. drawing before, but I did think, oh, and do you remember when you were a kid and you had those those little squares, all the different colours that you could cut out and then properly stick on? Yeah. I think you licked, I think you licked the back or got the back wet. Do you know So that? good. When I was a kid, I had so many things like that. I had the um, <laughs> the, the books where at the back of the book you had loads of um, <clears throat> characters that you peeled off and then yeah. you put into the scenes. Yeah, I used to love those books. Oh, but then also had um, what was it called? Fuzzy felt. Oh yeah, fuzzy felt. Oh, I loved all so that. So good. And the one where the thing's black, and then you get the pen and draw it, and all the colours come through. Yeah. And then the um, love that. What was the one where you shook shook it, and then with your two little knobs to. Oh, yeah. Etch-a-Sketch. Etch-a-Sketch. Oh, I love etch a <laughs> You see, I, you know, I can't knock mobile phone technology because we're using it all the time. Yeah. But our kids have missed out mm. on all those kind of fun mm. things that we used yeah. to do. Yeah. Maybe, I don't, anyway, I can imagine people looking at this picture going, oh, I could do that. Yes. Of course, the first response might be, well, go on then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you could say also... Well, he's just cut out, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing. He's just cut out. I can tell you, because I know, that he would have spent so long in his mind trying to get that absolutely right. Right, yeah. Now, we can discuss what right is, mm. but that's not a quick job for Matisse and his assistants. So, the you know, the, the green corner over the black, the exact way in which he's cut it. Sometimes he would cut very quickly and he wouldn't change it. Other times he's gone back and he's... Um, 
he's changed things, he's cut things. You can see um, on some of the cutouts and even on this one where there have been little changes. And in fact, if you look carefully at the orange surround, you know, there are different bits where he might have cut in and cut out. Now, is this Emperor's New Clothes? Is this, is, is this an artist who is just, you know, fiddling and fiddling? You know, we talked, we've talked before in the podcast about Hodgkin, Howard Hodgkin taking ages to finish a painting and yes. a little, little brushstroke here, a little brushstroke there. And never, Cezanne was another one that could take forever to finish tiny little, tiny little dots of paint to get the right colour. When is an artwork finished? I have no idea. Um, it would drive you mad, I think, if, you, if you're that much of a genius. Yeah. You, you just, you just, when you, when you actually stand in front of it, do you see all the little cuts? Can you see it on the, on the, on, on the lines? Well, see, the thing about this, mm. if you, this is a very good example, actually, where, you know, I make a case that, the great thing about our films is you can see these paintings in high definition yeah. on a big screen anywhere in the world and you're seeing detail you wouldn't otherwise see, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But we are also really trying to encourage people, and you said yourself you're thinking of going to see it in, in the gallery. Sometimes there is no, um, uh, uh, um, what's the word, nothing better than seeing no. the painting. Yeah. One of the things about the cutouts which I really felt when I saw the exhibitions when they were hung, is how big they are, yeah. how impactful the colour is. It was interesting, both the Tate, the Tate and the Met, uh, Tate and MoMA had different colours on their walls. And actually I thought that MoMA got it slightly better because I think they just have white walls. Okay. So the colour really pinged. Yeah. Um, oh. But they're big. They're really big, these cutouts. Yeah. Let me just tell you something about Matisse. Mm. So, um, because I... I really, really grew to love Matisse in making this film. Um, born in the 1860s, 1869, I think, and um, had a, a long old life till 1954. I know that because in 2024, that, you know, be the 70th anniversary of his death. Wow. Um, and uh, has, a, has a fascinating life. Um goes through all sorts of different stages. Clearly he's, the end of the 19th century is such a fascinating time in France and they're all learning off each other. They're all copying each other. Um, he really gets into the study of colour and using colour, particularly the beginning of the 20th century and um, creates, or he becomes known as a fauve, a wild beast. Um <laughs> But he's, he's going down to um, places in both France and on the Spanish Catalan, Catalonian coast and painting the most beautiful paintings, but really bright colours. And not realistic. No. In the sense that if you were standing there yourself, that's not how the colours are in real life. Yeah. And yet the paintings still feel like they're emotionally true. Yeah. Because some of them didn't have a lot of edge or detail. Yeah. Until you stood back. Yeah. Perhaps. I don't know. I did look at some of his early work. Well. Now, um, it's interesting because when you go back to his early biography, he's he's born up in the north. And I went back to his hometown and, you know, these were mill towns and it was quite dark and, um, you know, the light is very different up there. It's misty. Um, and so when he 
discovered the South and discovered the Catalonian coast, you know, obviously he was overwhelmed by colour. And this happened to a lot of artists, Van Gogh, Mm -hmm. Renoir, Cezanne. I mean, they all, Picasso, you know, there is, France is a big country. And when you get down to the South of France, the light is different. Yeah. Uh, Shadows are different. Um, Colour just... Were they uh, textile makers up in the village he came from? That's right. Yeah, because it made me laugh because they were saying that this is going a bit off piece, but they were saying that he always used um, great big textile scissors yeah. when he was cutting these pieces. And I thought, oh, that must everyone must be going mad about that because anybody that you know that sews, any person that touches the sewing scissors, and they call say blunt, ah. and it goes they go mad. So I thought about him and all these people that would. Go be going crazy because you must be blunting scissors all over the place. Well, I think like um, mm. it's not an unusual tale. I think he be- he he became ill as a child and um, um, yeah, appendicitis yeah. was it? And, and his mother gave him paints. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the same thing happened. Um, well, same thing happened. Well, more extreme way. Obviously, Frida Kahlo yeah. after a terrible accident. Yeah. She's given paints to paint with. Um, like we said we gave given a box of paint. When I was younger, like 21, 20, 21, I used to go for a few summers. I went to a place called Belle Isle. Right. Which is an island off the coast of Brittany. Yeah. And I didn't know at the time, but it's, it was an island that painters used to go to a lot, including Matisse, because it's so, it's rugged and beautiful. And I wish I'd known because, um, you know, anyway, Matisse was one of those who used to go to this island I used to love Britain. I, I thought you were going to say you take your paintbox with you again. Yeah, no, I was, back onto this again, aren't we? I was always, in, I was always into photography. I, I, <laughs> I've never been able to paint. Um, but um, factors out there, Phil. So, the, um, yeah. So he goes off, and he's in places like, uh, as I said, the south of France or Colliore, I think it's called, in, in the east coast of of Catalonia, which is also very, very beautiful. Working in in colour, and I've said before on these podcasts that, you know, the colour theory is really, really important, and they studied it. Yeah. And the primary colours, so red, yellow, blue, and then you've got tertiary colours like orange, green, um, purple. I mean, it's all all here. Yeah. Um, You then get, you know, you just have this primary... First, second, third, primary, secondary, tertiary. Um, everything comes from from red, yellow, and blue, and then you've got complementary colours. So you know, red and green are complementary colours. Blue and yellow are complementary colours. And the way in which they position against each other, um, artists have been kind of studying this and using this for for a long time. It's it's all in front of us here, yeah. And subconsciously. It's having an impact on us. Now, these will have faded a little bit in over time, but if you look, you've got big blue block and a yellow block. Red and green kind of clashing with one another a little bit. Um, you've got yellow and blue. Uh, sorry, or, orange. So you've got in secondary colours, so orange and green, secondary colours. Uh, purple. I mean, it's all, it's all colour theory here. Well, my favourite bit is the black. Well, and the black's the interesting one. Yeah, it's my favourite bit. Well, see, for me, I don't like the black. Yeah, because it's, it's like it's like it, it's it's 
It's a bit fierce, the black. I don't... Mm. But you see, I put black into my quilts quite a lot. Mm. Yeah, I quite like it. It always breaks them up. I don't know why. And I don't really wear a lot of black either. So... Well, here I guess the clash mm. is between the black and the white. Yeah. Because, of course, we're, we're imagining this as colours on top of white. Mm. Okay, now close your eyes, open your yeah. eyes. And now, yeah. now just look at the white, which you never normally do. No. And your brain finds quite hard. And you know some of those funny little visual games that sometimes get played. But if you think that the white has gone on top, mm. you see the white, see none of those, none of those white shapes. No. There's no shape to them, is it? They're all just bits. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get, I don't, it's funny. If I was making this myself, I can imagine, I would never get anything like this, but I can imagine consciously thinking the reds and the purples and the different coloured greens and, I can't imagine sticking that bit of black in. There's something, there's some point I think he's making with the black. I don't know what it is. And I'm not going to get all highfalutin. No. <laughs> you know, it represents his pain, his But if depression. he wasn't there. But if he's, he is quite ill at the stage, isn't he? And yes. he's um, in the bed and he, yeah. I think he called it his taxi bed. Yeah. And I know uh, firsthand, I mean, my mum was uh, housebound pretty much the last sort of seven years of her life. So I know the frustration of how that feels. So, yeah, maybe that bit of black is that. But at least he actually managed to do something to get it out. He 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 becomes very ill. Yeah. And... Um, he has cancer of the intestine. Yeah, and he, has, mm. he has an operation, mm. which he survives, which yeah. you can imagine... Even that would have been... I don't think it went too well, did it? So then I had to do a... I'm actually going to go and watch your film, Phil, because I got to that next stage of that book, Jazz. Oh, yeah. I think it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah. I love it so much. The exhibition, The Late Cutouts, is absolutely Mm. brilliant. Mm. But we obviously in the film, we looked at his whole biography. Yeah. And um, actually, we'll have to re-release this film because it, it's really... Well, you will if he's coming up for an anniversary and yeah. then hopefully they'll be doing another exhibition. Well, actually, we are planning on re-releasing it in 2024. You're right. Um, so Hello, beca- early Phil. Come on. But it, but it becomes <laughs> ill. And he, he's, he's living in this house in the south of France, which you can still go and visit. Right. And But increasingly, his bed, as you say, you know, you talked about Happened to your parents, happened to my parents, but yeah. the, the bed becomes their world. Yeah. So he's painting on the ceiling. Right. And in fact, after his death, they, they actually very carefully took down the drawings. Um, but he's also using, um, you know, when he's in a bath chair, in a wheelchair, he's able to move around. So he's putting paintings up on the walls, but in his own bedroom. So the swimming pool that I told you about. Yeah. Yeah. Was actually put up. Uh, I think actually was in his bedroom. So it's four walls of the bedroom. So he couldn't, but also when he did gardens and things as cutouts, he found it increasingly difficult to go out into gardens. He brought the garden inside. Inside, yeah. He had these amazing assistants and kind of housekeepers and and literally they would, he would just tell, he, he would cut out the pieces of paper and some wonderful pictures of him doing it and a bit of video and he'd say, pin it there, pin it there. And he's constantly, and I think there are, you know, obviously we have to be cautious 
you know, I think sometimes there is a sense of Emperor's New Clothes about it, but sometimes there are individuals, and I think Matisse is one of them, where he is just seeing something. Yeah. And you probably would just go along with, you know, when he said, I'll just move that purple <laughs> just a little bit to the left, you know, you might with somebody else go, oh, really? It's not, you know, he's just making it up as he goes along. But I think with Matisse, because something indefinable about this picture, this particular cutout, and mm. you should look at the other ones too. Mm. Anyone's listening to this podcast should look at his other oh, late definitely. cutouts. They're fantastic. Um, it works and it's a bit difficult to explain why. Now, when I first looked at it, I struggled to understand why it was called a snail. And even when somebody said to me, oh, well, you know, he's studied a snail. He's looked really closely at a snail. Somebody brought him a snail or he was eating a snail or I don't know what. He's in the garden. He saw one. And so it represents the curve on the back of the shell. Well, yeah. okay. <laughs> so um, there's no head involved at all? I don't know, actually. No. I don't know okay. that he ever particularly... Yeah. Um, it's dis- funny what you see, isn't it, when you want to? I thought that orange bit was potentially, but there you go. It's good to know. But if you if you look at, I mean, in the film, he's got some massive ones. Mm. Um, Oceania, I remember, is one. You mentioned jazz. Oh, I love that book. But I mean, this Everybody, is- if they do get a chance... But his birds and his mm. fish and his vegetation and the palms and... Mm. And he's, of course, he's drawing on, this is the other thing about all artists, is they draw on influences. So, you know, he'd been to Morocco. He'd been to, I don't know, obviously we talked about France and Spain. Yeah. And so he's drawing on all that. And he's, you know, he's drawing on his on the influence of other artists, um, and pulling it all together. There's absolutely an argument with many artists that their best works come at the end of their lives, partly because they've just got this wealth of knowledge, partly because they've got, that degree of financial independence that they can now do whatever they want. Yeah. Partly because people get a bit more bloody minded. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, obviously I'm not a Matisse, but I'm a bit the same where mm. now if a commissioning editor were to say to me, I don't tend to work for commissioning editors anymore. With, and that's actually part of my own bloody mindedness. But if the commissioning <laughs> editor said to me, you need to do it like, I'll give you an example. I made a film for Channel 4 and the title was Angola Music School. Right. And the commissioning editor said, no, we want to call it um, Escape from Luanda. Uh-huh. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, I just, we just think, uh, he said, I just think it's a better title. I said, well, actually, I think Angola Music School is a better title. And it says what it is. Yeah. And he said, no, no, we're going to call it Escape from Luanda. And I, I was like, oh, well, anyway, I went along with it. Right. Regretted it. It wasn't a better title. In fact, I've changed the title back now. <laughs> Um, but I wouldn't do that now. I wouldn't accept it. I'd say, fine, I'm, I'm not changing not the to, title. No. And you'll just have to lump it. Oh, so, I'm not going to cross you then, Phil. No, no, what I'm saying, though, is for, <laughs> for something like Matisse, and you can look at other artists, Rembrandt, I mean, let's just you can list them, Monet. I think that you can argue their greatest work comes when, they, when they're getting on a bit. Um, like maybe you, you also just get to that time of your life, don't you, when you know... You've kind of got to get it all out. Yeah. The finality. And maybe got more to say, maybe the yeah. Yeah, impending mortality. Mm. Um, I also like Matisse because he does, there's a little, you know, there are, I think to be his assistant, um, you know, you'd, you'd, 
um, there's no question that he could be pretty rough, you know. Um, I'm not sure he was a perfect human being, but there's definitely elements of fun and humour about yeah. him also. Mm -hmm. um, and so can you see the little snail in this painting? Let me put glasses on. Because I think that's quite good fun too. Yeah. I have to go really high. See, again, on the website, you can, on, on the Seventh Art site, you can zoom in on the picture. Oh, a little purple at the top. There you go. <laughs> There's your little snail. so good. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. So you can just imagine him. He's sitting in bed. He's got all these... Is I mean, all, he's recovered. He's, he's had op an operation to remove an abdominal cancer. Poor guy, yeah. you know. And he can barely move out of his bed. And yet there he is in, in with a bit of nice purple yes. paper. And he's cut. And when you watch him on the video, I mean, he's doing this. He's, he's, you know, you're talking about sewing scissors. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. he's like, shh, 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 mm. done. So, I mean, this little <laughs> snail. So My, has he done that on others, do you know? Or is that is it kind of one of the only ones? You mean what? Put little little. little I'm, I'm not sure of other oh. examples of it. I mean, maybe maybe people know. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly you know some of the other. Oh, you know, there's some that. beautiful uh, you know animals and birds in other mm. ones, but that little little snail. Mm. So we might this might be a joke. Because we might be, he might be thinking, all right, I want everyone, he might be making fun of us. Yeah. He's saying, everyone's going to look at this and go, okay, where's the snail? Oh, okay, the black's the head. <laughs> so and good. it curves around. Oh, I hope that is his joke. And somebody else might say, no, no, actually. And they're all sitting there kind of stroking their goatees. Or, yeah. You know, and, and, and at least thinks himself idiots. Yeah. The snail's at the top. top. The rest of it's just <laughs> blocks of colours. <laughs> What's the matter with them? <laughs> I can do anything I like now. <laughs> and Moma will pay me a fortune oh, for I it. Oh, I love that. I mean, who knows? I kind of really, oh, I really hope he has done that. You know, these things go for tens of millions of dollars oh. now. But mm. I do think a lot of it comes back to, and I think actually we should probably do a whole podcast about colour. Oh, because I can't wait. <laughs> but I mean. Yeah. I was reading not so long ago about colour. So colour is is the way in which, so when light is reflected off an object, mm -hmm. then it reaches our eyes at a certain frequency, certain wavelength, which we interpret as a colour. Right. Um, and so, you know, you look at something like this and, well, let me go aside a different route. Our brains, in, you know, associate different emotions with different colours. Uh, our brains, when we see colours together, do so. I mean, it's just the way in which we interpret and react to colour. Um, yours is a very colourful house and you can see that you adore colour. And I think someone who works with textiles and um, there's other people's houses I know which are very, you know, very white and yeah. plain and calm. And I, can, I can appreciate those houses, actually. Yeah. I'm lucky that I am married to someone who equally likes colour. It's mm. quite handy. We don't argue a lot about colour. Mm. It's a good job, isn't it? It's quite, think, there is quite a bit about. That's why when you go to, I mean, when we did the Howard Hodgkin, mm. 
if you were to say to me, what is the most colourful country you've ever been to? I'd straight away say India. Yeah. India is just, just flooded with colour. Yeah. I'm desperate to go to India. So. And, you know, you go to Northern Europe at times. Mm. You know, I, I go to Amsterdam and places like that and Bonn and, and you can go there when it's like a November grade and the colour's just been sucked out. There is no colour. Right. Just, yeah. It's just wet concrete yeah. and wet stone and... Mm. Um, go to somewhere like Istanbul. Go to, I mean, Lagos. I mean, there's so many places where the colour is just extraordinary. Oh, I'd like to go there. Yeah. We do bit... this every time. You either want to eat after this podcast <laughs> or travel. Or, travel. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes paint a picture. <laughs> there is one place, there is one thing that you, one has to say about Matisse. So, which has nothing to do with this painting in a way, but just down the road from where he cut this out, the very bedroom, you can almost see this this um, chapel that I'm about to refer to, a place called Vons, just down the road. And he agreed to finance a chapel. I think actually, I'll tell you what it was. I think there was a nurse there in this nunnery who helped look after him. And as a, right. as a gift back, he said, I'll finance the rebuilding of a chapel and I will decorate it for you. Yes. And... It is, we, we went to film it, the nuns let us in and they said, you go ahead. So we were in there, there was no one else there. It wasn't a sunny day, unusually for the south of France. Um, and it's just the most exquisite place. There are stained glass windows. We had a kind of quite a soft light, but there was still staggering. There are tiles that he designed. Yeah. The whole thing, and you can see this, the sense of, colour and cutouts and where he'd got to in his art is reflected in this chapel. It is one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever been to. Um, yeah, I need to go there. Yeah, that is really spectacular. Is a stained glass window, blue and yellow? Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. Do I remember some green as well? Oh, I don't know. I, just, I did see that as well. I mean, even if you just... Yeah, it looks, just, it's incredible. If you just jump to the end of our film about mm. Matisse, you'll see it. Okay. Um, but again, this whole... Well, we can't do that film. No, you have to watch that Of course, film, yeah, we do. <laughs> but again, that, that comprehension of colour. So, yes, you could look at something like this and just say, oh, he's just cut out bits of colour and stuck mm-hmm. them on. Actually, I think, I think there is something more than that. I think he does understand colour and the impact of colour and how blocks of colour work. You know, his other cutouts... They are easier to read in the sense that you they they are, you know, figurative. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, you'll see it's a palm leaf or you'll mm. see it's a dancer. Mm. Or, um But even once again the colours, they're incredible. Uh, yeah. I put jazz on my Christmas list book. I'd quite like it. I really loved it when I saw Is that it. A hint? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought that. <laughs> I didn't know I was getting a present. That's good. <laughs> I feel quite pleasant. Every week's a present. What do you mean? <laughs> I know what Christmas card I'm getting anyway, don't I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hunters in the snow. <laughs> I looked again at that painting this week. That is just the most amazing picture, Hunters in the Snow. I know. I really hope I do get I mean, Everyone will send me that for Christmas. Yeah, that'd be funny. It would be really good. I'll come here at Christmas with 18 <laughs> Hunters in the Snow. Maybe with a bit of Matisse in there. No. Actually, that's that's a good idea. People should do Christmas cards. 
Actually, people should design their own Christmas card based on an artist that they like. Yeah. I do make my own Christmas card, but they've, uh, they say we've never been to this standard. <laughs> well, you never know. Yeah. So we didn't find a painting that we don't like. In no. fact, we ended up with one that no. we do like, but maybe other people, it doesn't really work for them. Mm. I, I, you know, honestly, I can imagine my parents thinking, yeah, don't get that. G- mm. Give me a constable any day of the week. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll have a look. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll, we'll find something that we... And there, there's, there is plenty of... St- I mean, I went to the Venice Biennale, which was actually very exciting, and I, I, it was quite a lot of stuff, which was really good, obviously. Yeah. But there was also quite a lot of stuff that was really bad. Okay. So maybe we'll find something that's really bad. But the thing, the thing is, though, we're very lucky because actually... We will never run out of amazing artworks. No. <laughs> it's simply not possible. Um, I'm working right now on, on, on a film about Caravaggio and it, the impossibility of deciding which paintings to include in that film. Yeah. Because, you know, he was just staggering and he's just one of many. So. Yeah. And then there's plenty of artists we don't know, um, plenty of female artists that <clears throat> haven't had the attention they deserve. No. And then artists beyond kind of, you know, America, that kind of America, Western European or European axis. Yeah. There's Asian artists, African artists, um, Native American artists. And then actually actually one thing we should maybe do one day is look at landscape artists because some of the landscape art can be amazing. Um, Anyway. I'm in, Phil. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, we'll... Mm -hmm. Anyway, that is the painting of the week for this week. Henri Matisse is the snail. Thoroughly recommend people look at the work generally of Henri Matisse. And if you get a chance to go up to the Tate um, to look at this. The last thing I'll say, Mm. we had a real problem with this painting. Oh. Because we filmed it with very expensive high resolution cameras, all of which are colour corrected before we film. We then go into the post-production suite. And the Matisse estate is quite rightly very, very careful about giving permission to anyone to make a film back Matisse. Any usage of their artwork, you have to pay for rights, but also they, they have oversight. And they want to make sure that, you know, paintings are shown in full. But the main, one of the main things is that you get the colour yeah. right. Because colours, if you go online now into, you know... Oh. Amazon images, yes. Google images yeah. or whatever, yeah. there'll be a hundred images of this and I guarantee you they'll all be slightly different colours. Yeah. You cannot trust what's Well, that's why I wanted to go up. Yeah. For so that exact reason. So we had it on the screen, mm. but we had the curator come in from the exhibition and lucky we did because um, our cameras had still struggled with this and I remember that um, it was it was... Really quite surprising. One of the colours was, I remember it was like completely wrong. I can't remember exactly what it was, but say that big blue rectangle at the bottom. Yeah. Actually on the screen, it was coming up as almost green. Um, so luckily we had the curator there. We always work off the catalogue, which you hope you can trust. Yeah. But again, trying to get the colour, trying to, you know, the colours that we present to you in the cinema mm-hmm. or subsequently on DVD, television, trying to get them to match what you would actually see is actually quite a challenge. And then bear in mind, what you actually see yeah. can depend on ambient light, 
if there's any daylight coming into a gallery, that will change the way the colours are. Mm. They might change the lighting. I mean, lighting in galleries is constantly being improved. So they might go colder, they might go warmer. Um, and then the final thing, of course, is that we actually, we as individuals see, see. colours slightly differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually fortunate. Both my brothers are uh, colourblind. So my brother, looking at this, would not be able to distinguish between the green and blue. To him, that's the same. Okay. My nephew would see even less colour in this. Um, so if he's watching football match, you know, a colour f- football match, there yeah. are times when you can't tell the difference between the players. Wow. It's um, unbelievable. So again, we have to remember that our our, our eyes is extraordinarily complex and not everyone is... And in fact, even my eyes, I know that yeah, my right eye sees that blue as slightly darker than the left eye. So even my eyes are seeing things slightly differently. But you also said about yellow. You sort of... One of those were yellow. Well, see, I, I think... I don't see that as yellow at all. Well... So I think we could go on for hours here now. Yeah, I feel like we need to um, go up to... It'd be interesting because I think that block that's okay. on its, just on its pivot. On top of the blue? Yeah. You're thinking that's yellow. See, there on your picture... No, it's not not at all, is it? I'll have to... S- oh, I see, yeah. Okay, yeah. You've just got another one up. Yeah. See, I think... It's I, definitely yellow. See, it might have slightly faded. Mm. But then... Oh, we're but looking can, at this. We're looking at the computer. We need to go to the tape. Come on. We need to go to the tape. Let's okay, go. Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at seventh-art.com or contact us by emailing info at seventh-art.com. See you next time.